0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. That music means one thing and one thing only. Greg Wyszynski from ESPN. How are you today, Mr. Wyszynski? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I just came back
0: from a, a wake uh, that they were holding for Jonathan Quick. Um, they were so, so sad. <laughs> um, it was the weirdest thing last night, man. Rob Blake does, does something to help his team. The only yep. thing as a fan you should care about is helping your team and as I was as shocked as anybody to look at yep. Jonas Corpasello's numbers this season and to find out that he actually had been playing pretty well for a, a bad
1: uh, Blue Jackets team since yeah. December since December you look at you know, I I mentioned this on Hockey Night a few weeks ago that you know using Valaket's clear sight analytics going back to that I think it was a game against the Buffalo Sabres where he got yanked after that mm-hmm. one He's top 10 with, you know, better numbers than like Sorokin, Shosturkin, Ottinger. He's been, you know, going back to early December amongst the elite in the NHL.
0: Right. So you get a a goalie that's clearly better than the guy that you have. You have a goalie that clearly does have a little bit of playoff heroism on his resume, as any Leafs fan knows. Uh, Mm -hmm. You've improved your team. And in fact, you've got yourself a pretty good defenseman as well to shore up an area of need on a team. If I'm an LA Kings fan, here's where my head would be at. And it's not where their heads were at last night. My head would be that I am running out of time to win a Stanley cup with Andre Kopitar contractually, not, not decline in talent wise, as we saw last night and drew Doughty. I'm running out of time to win with these guys. I'd like to win with these guys. You know, we, 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 the, the, all the emotions tied up in Jonathan quicks legacy, having somehow been tarnished because A team traded a goalie in decline instead of, you know, dealing him at a time where they could have a a proper send off for the guy, which they'll have anyway when they raise his number to the band to the rafters. Like you should channel that energy into wanting your team to maximize its window to win with the two guys that are still there that you love just as much as Jonathan Quick, if not even more.
1: So the, the only thing that I do wonder about, and again, I don't know the answer to this, although I suspect I do is not that they necessarily have to tell him, but when you're in the position that Quick has been in with Los Angeles Kings and the Cups and the trophies and, 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 you know, one of the greatest goaltenders the organization has ever seen. Not that Rob Blake has to, But I think there's an element of, you know, he's done a lot for this organization. He got you to the highest heights. You know, 2012 was one of the best goaltending performances we've seen all season long. One of the best goaltending performances we've seen from that generation uh, of goaltenders. Maybe kind of keep them in the. Lo- I understand that information is at such a premium and it's really sensitive. And sometimes, you know, as Winston Churchill said in you know about World War One, um, the truth is so precious she needs be guarded by a bodyguard of lies. I understand Whoa. that. I get it. I know it's a deep one. We're going deep with Winston Churchill, bodyguard right. of lies, the bodyguard uh, of lies. Wait. So, so someone
0: just, maybe, someone maybe just he... emerged from his, uh, his Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, Hobbit <laughs> hovel, to, 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 to quote some stuff on the air.
1: <laughs> I've come back from this ayahuasca retreat. Now I want to talk about Winston Churchill in the First World War. <laughs> But I think maybe keeping him in the loop along the way is probably what... Because it, it sounds like he was genuinely stuffed. Like, I can only imagine. Like There's been a couple of things. There have been a couple of moments where there's been two very specific moments that I've wondered, okay, what's it going to feel like to be Jonathan Quick right now? One of them was last night on that plane ride back. Like, that must have been, like, eerily silent. You know, where this, like, icon in the organization... Has been traded, and there he is on the plane still. Um, The other one, I was mentioning this at the the top of the show, that Super Bowl weekend where we all thought Jacob Trickwin was going to the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. So um, I was told that Jonathan Quick hosted the Kings Super Bowl party. It was at his place. He's a really popular guy at his Mm -hmm. place. but the whole night was essentially it was almost like uh, an Agatha Christie novel where everybody was looking at their phones wondering, <laughs> okay, you know, if the lights flicker, who's still going to be here? Like which Los Angeles King is going to make it to the end of the Super Bowl or which King is going to get called by their agent saying, you know, report to that report to the rank ASAP or, you know, get to the airport. You've been traded Two very, very dynamic and maybe kind of goofy retrospectively moments that we look at with Jonathan Quick so far this season.
0: Yeah, and if if I were the Kings last night, I, I wouldn't want it to be solemn on that plane. I'd want it to be Wolf of Wall Street on the flight back from Winnipeg. Like give that guy a send off man. Pop every bottle you could find on that plane and just have yourself a, a, a time yeah. in the air. Um I I, I listen, I understand inherently how the fans feel about this. I understand inherently how his teammates would feel about this. The one thing I, I find really interesting, though, is the the idea that Rob Blake, a former player, and a guy who's now been with this franchise for countless years. Oh my God. I mean, he, he was an assistant before he became the GM, so he's been there forever. That he doesn't understand yeah. the emotional dynamic at play in removing Jonathan Quick from that locker room. And, and so... I. There's got to be more to it than simply just improving your goaltending and getting a defenseman that you need. He has to understand the emotional impact this move is going to make. And by the way, let's not forget about one thing here. Jonathan Quick wouldn't even be here right now were it not for the fact that his regular season play was mediocre and combined with his contract... Which had multiple seasons on it in previous years. He's had the sword of Damocles mm-hmm. dangling over his head for multiple years, Merrick. He's he had no trade protection. Sure, there was always talk about him being shipped out of LA. So the the, the idea that it happens yep. now is not a shock. I think the only reason why there's even a little bit more than nostalgia at play here for the feelings of Kings fans is because mm-hmm. of what happened in the playoffs last year. We got to see a little bit of vintage Quick again, and and the heart went all a flutter about you know. The, the times of, of, of raising cups and, and winning Jennings trophies. But that ship has sailed, man. His mm-hmm. numbers this year stink. This is a good hockey move for the, for the LA Kings.
1: Uh, it is. and um, But I, I wonder, too, because it was about a cozy five minutes ago that we just had the Dustin Brown celebration in Los Angeles, too. So don't forget, for, for LA Kings fans, I think that's still fresh in everybody's mind, too. Not that it, not that it should matter, and like not that it should matter to Rob Blake at all. Not that it should matter to any manager. I tend to be of of the mind that you know I don't mind if managers are ruthless, and I also don't mind if players are ruthless. I think that you know trust is a very you know delicate delicate thing right now, and with with all sports. Um, but you know, when I when I look at the Los Angeles Kings and I think about their long term play in net, like. Cal Peterson hasn't worked out. Okay. No. We all know that. Phoenix Copley, congratulations. You've come in and you saved the Los Angeles Kings season and you were rewarded with a one year contract. Jonas Corpusalo comes in now in this trade, having played spectacularly uh, going back to December for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's a really nice, really nice season and otherwise dark time for Columbus. But you know what I think their long term play is? I think the long term play. The Los Angeles Kings in net is still Thatcher Demko.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nor, really nor are you the only that. person to California that. guy.
1: Completely. Completely I makes know. total sense. I know it's out total It's sense. Very, very much out there. <laughs> and I I think that is ultimately the play here.
0: I'll, I think ultimately that is a better use of your assets within the organization, be it picks and prospects, in acquiring Thatcher Demko than it would be to acquire Jacob Chikrin. Like, for where the Kings are right now in their maturation, with having a couple of seasons left, maybe with with Kopitar and Doughty, with having Fiala, with having Dano, with having all these guys, with having the kids that are going to start finally blossoming in Byfield and all these guys. Like, I I think acquiring a goalie that you know is going to be good for you for a good four or five years is more important than Mm -hmm. going and, and acquiring Jacob Chikrin. For the amount, we'd have to give up for both. See.
1: And that's why I wonder, if you were healthy all season, will we be talking about that deal with Vancouver as opposed to this deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Probably safe to say that we would. Like if Thatcher Demko were healthy all season long. But then again, you can spin around and say, well, listen, if Thatcher Demko were you know, healthy all season long, we might still have Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench. Right? And we wouldn't <laughs> see bodies going oh, out to Brock I, Besser, And can they move JT Miller before their trade deadline? Or I don't
0: know, Merrick. I have a funny feeling that the Boudreaux situation <laughs> is uh, separate from any goaltending health consideration. I, uh, it, yes, wasn't, it wasn't. It was like I Jimmy Rutherford really... before the season was like. I well, he's only here because of his contract. But if Demko plays well, no, he was like, I'm stuck with this
1: guy because <laughs> I had to be stuck with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the other big story, there are a lot of. First of all, does it not feel like every single day is trade deadline day, and the only day that's <laughs> not going to feel like trade day, trade deadline day is trade deadline day? Because that's what it <laughs> right, feels yeah. like to me. Damn it. We, we
0: we used to talk about Trade Deadline Day like it was Christmas morning. Uh, the Trade Deadline has become Hanukkah. Uh, there are eight crazy nights of trades. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, – and listen, like – for us at Sports, it's going to be the I mean, Elliot and I are probably going to have the uh, the easiest gig sitting at the tr- at the trade desk where we're just going to be, you know, you'd be looking at the top of our heads and our thumbs, and and that's it. It's going to be back to you, David. Back to you, Carolyn. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty much the way it's sizing up. Like this has been one of the most bizarre trade deadline weeks, wish mm-hmm. that we've ever seen. You've been part of a bunch of them. You've covered the sport forever. Is this not the goofiest one that you've ever seen?
0: It is, um, in particular, just, like, how early everything has happened. I don't mind it. I mean, uh, some people have been talking about how the deadline's going to stink this year because all the work will be done. I, I published my trade tiers today. There's still a ton of players that could move on, on March 3rd. Like, there's still a lot a lot of business to be done. And, and especially when you consider how many of these trades we've seen where uh, third-party brokers have been more than willing to pick up some of the salary – to make things happen, it makes me even more optimistic that we'll see some fireworks later in the week. Um, I was texting with, with a former player today and he told me one of the more interesting things about this deadline was how many package deals we've seen. Like you think about the O'Reilly trade, yep. you think about the yep. Orloff trade, yep. you think about all these trades that we're seeing mm-hmm. where in the past, maybe it's pairs, yeah, it's, it's pairs. pairs of guys. It's, pairs. it's, 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 let me get the guy that I need uh, for my, my, you know, Top four defensemen or my top six forwards, and then you know let me also get this guy that's going to really bolster my fourth line, and, and that's happened a few times at this trade li- deadline. And on top of all of the stuff happening earlier than usual, that's what's really stood out for me. As I don't remember that type of deal happening as often it's, as it's happened. I mean, we just saw it last night. I mean, Corpusalo and uh, Garikov going to to to, yeah. to L.A. So it's like it's, it's this little two for deals. Which is kind of amazing when you think about all this kvetching about the salary cap and how hard it is to make trades. And then you're taking on two salaries in some of these deals instead of one. It's, it's, it's an interesting little twist on the trade deadline.
1: So a couple of things there. One, I had someone say to me, um, when you look at all the teams that are playing banker and making things happen... Um <laughs> it's a line that I'll always remember from this trade deadline. Someone texted me, "This is Gary Bettman's salary cap heaven <laughs> right now with teams taking taking other teams' money. Ah, oh, this is beautiful right now." Um the other the other reason cuz I've I've wondered about the same thing. And I've spoken to a couple of people about, it, like, why the pairs? Why the pairs? Like, this, is, this has been a thing since we started to see, see, see deals happen around deadline. Why the pairs? And I think we're all wondering about it. And, and he said to me, I wonder if it's man-, two things. One, maybe it makes it easier to move money and to hold money. And to, if you want to get a pick, it makes it easier if it's two as, as opposed to one. But two, he said, from the acquiring manager's point of view, You're sticking your neck out by bringing anyone new in the organization. That's always true. So the chance Mm -hmm. that it goes south is always there. And he said to me, but if you have two, the chances of both not working out are really (laughs) slim. Like if, let's say, for whatever reason, Ryan O'Reilly doesn't work out for the Maple Leafs, but Nola Chari is just a beast in the bottom six, that's the syllable you put the accent on.
0: Right. Right, if 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 uh, Dmitry Orlov turns out to be you know Thomas Cabrel, um, wait, did he work out for them or not? I forget.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not ago. work for the Bruins. Right. Okay. Help, so I was right. scratched a number of right, times. Right, right, right. So so if he turns <laughs> oh, out to yeah, be Cabrel, right. and then Garden right.
0: Hathaway, yeah. you know, s- scores a critical goal in a game seven against Carolina, like it could work out for them. Too. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. That was a good. I wonder. Deal I also that, wonder yeah, how boy, it affects yeah. the. I also wonder how it affects the return some teams get too. Like you know, obviously, dealing Hathaway on his own was going to yield something, right? Uh, but but when you package him together with Orloff, does that all of a sudden increase maybe the quality of pick that you get from from the Bruins if you're the Capitals? I don't know. But yeah, I'd I, be interested so to see the I, the autopsy on some of these deals uh, after the deadline is done.
1: Yeah, I I was told that the the Bruins deal was the only one. The only real significant one that anyone made for Orlov, but there was a lot of interest in Hathaway. But the only team, like I think a lot of teams called and offered like an obligatory, like, oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a fifth-round pick for Orloff. Um, I think, the, the, as was told to me, Orloff the, and the Boston Bruins, that was the only one of significance. And probably a lot of it was because of, of Hathaway. Uh, a lot of teams told me they thought Tampa was going to end Mm -hmm. up with Hathaway. And you know, it's interesting. I had David Poyle on the show yesterday and I asked him about Tanner Janot and he said he had more calls on Janot than any other player on his roster. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Well, you see, it's that, it's, it's that kind of, but the thing is, this is the Tampa effect. Right? This is the Tampa effect of look how valuable you know, Gord and Coleman and all these other type, Barkley, Goodrill, these types of players and how they help you win Stanley Cups. Because when you look at the Nashville Predators lineup, like, it's lo- like, still, I know they're underperforming, but that's a lineup that's still loaded with skill and has mm-hmm. a lot of really great players on it. When you say a guy that scored five goals, albeit last year he scored 24 and made Calder noise, uh, uh, you know uh, gets the most, the, 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 the most amount of interest around the NHL, I point to Tampa. And I say, that's the Tampa Bay Lightning bottom six effect. And even go back further than that, that's the 2007 Sammy Paulson line with, you know, Nina Meyer and Moen effect. Sure.
0: The two things about the Genoa trade I thought were interesting. First of all, I I was talking to a GM uh, yesterday, and I asked him, like, what was your favorite trade? And he said the Genoa trade. And I'm like, oh, for Nashville? He's like, no, for Tampa. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. It's one of those trades that yeah. I think I feel feel like there's a gigantic yep. separation between public perception of what Tampa surrendered and internally amongst teams what the Lightning got and what they actually gave up. And the other thing about the Geno trade I found interesting is it reminded me, it reminded me of the Hagel trade, and it reminded me of the Hagel trade not only because it's a deadline deal and because of what they you know gave up for for one player, but I think it's Tampa's gamble that what some may believe to be an anomalous season is actually who this guy is. Now they won that gamble on Hagel because there are a lot of people saying, okay, he's shooting 22% for, for the Blackhawks in 55 games. The idea that that will continue is uh, insane. And they're right. He's only shooting 17% this year for Tampa in 60 games and has 22 (laughs) goals. So they're completely right. Uh, It was unsustainable. Uh, But, but would you know, I think Brisebois is looking at his year last year and saying, that's the guy we're acquiring. Like we believe that he has that type of upside to go along with all the intangibles that he also has. And, and that's, I mean, I'm never betting against Julianne Brisebois on a deadline deal for a, a, a depth player. Right, and and I think it's a reasonable gamble to take yeah. to have, and if that's the case, then I think the package they gave up for him is going to be looked at favorably, unless of course one of those picks becomes like you know, <laughs> so, Tage Thompson. Right, it's so, like you got to always be worried about
1: that. <laughs> so, so one manager that I spoke with um, said this because I asked about the Janot deal, and he said uh, we'd love to have a player like Tanner Janot, but we're not in a position to overpay, and Tampa is. I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, when you're as close to the Stanley Cup as the Tampa Bay Lightning are, you can afford to overpay. We're not that close to the Stanley Cup, so we can't overpay. Like, no one's going to criticize that deal, to your point, if, if the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup, because is it an overpayment? Well, by a lot of standards and a lot of measurements, well, yeah, that's a, a pretty sizable overpayment for Tanners, you know. But when you're that close to the Stanley Cup, y- you have um how should i phrase it you have the luxury of having the ability to overpay
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like and that's not a luxury that a lot of other teams who aren't close to the stanley cup because they would just get destroyed you know like pick a team that's like just like trying to scratch and claw their way in right now Like, give a team like the calgary (laughs) flames or you know well calgary right you know, yeah. a, few, a few points out, but if you make a deal like that and you give up that much for Tanner Jeannot, you know, you're saying like to Brad for a living, like what are you, what are you doing, mm-hmm. giving up that deal? But everyone looks at Tampa and says, well, they could win the Stanley Cup. Who cares about picks? Yeah, you know, and, and the with, with all due thing, respect to California, it's taken a while for him to get to the NHL. The beautiful thing about all of this is that
0: Vasilevsky, Kucherov, Hedman, and Stamkos are all 28 and older. And he had been in Hedman and Stamagos' case are 32. And there's something absolutely beautiful about a team not giving a damn about what the next thing looks like for the Tampa Bay Lightning when those guys age out. They just don't care. They're like, we mm-hmm. got them now. They're in their prime. We're going to spend every bit of capital and prospect that we can dig up to go and trade for Tanner Janot and, uh, and, and, and Nick, Nick, Nick Paul. Uh, Every deadline in order to try to maximize the number of Stanley Cups that we win with these guys. And I guarantee you that in like four years when the lightning have faded and John Cooper's coaching someplace else and one of these guys is now, you know, in his salad years with a team trying to win their first Stanley Cup, none of the lightning fans will Mm -hmm. care. They will have had multiple boat parades. (laughs) They will have loved this team and loved the, <laughs> the, the, the chance every year yeah. to try to win. Like, it's a beautiful thing to see. There's no reason why your responsibility as a manager needs to be empire building. It needs to be win cups, get banners, worry about the thing that happens next when it happens next. And, oh, by the way, maybe that's just you win the lottery again. Who's to say?
1: Uh, real quick, uh, Elliot Friedman reporting. He's hearing Lars Eller to the Avalanche. L- oh my in the god, Washington perfect. Capital.
0: Perfect. Lars Eller is one of my Lars favorite guys Eller to the Because he is I, l- I he love is,
1: him. I've always you and I would talk about yeah. Eller back when he was on Montreal. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's a, a little bit guy. older. He's a little a less effective. Move. But that dude's got got Eon's of playoff experience now. And and he does all the little things right. I don't. I don't think he solves their second line problem at center, but he certainly you know gives them another really important body on that team. It's a great deadline move for them. I love that for them.
1: I I, I think we're all I, I like. There's a big part of me the thought that um, you know Nick Schmaltz is going to end up there. I don't know how they would make that work cap wise. Um, now or mm-hmm. in the future, certainly not when you know Nathan McKinnon's mega deal kicks in. Um, but. That that is interesting. Who does it push down and who does it push up? I mean, they've been using a combination of JT Confer and uh, Alex Newhook mm-hmm. um, in the middle there. Um, I don't know. I I still don't think that Colorado was done here. They I don't. But then perfect. again, you know they, what? So the, let me let me let me let, let me. Let, let me uh, so I talked to one person a couple of days ago. And they brought up a really interesting theory, and I don't know if you've watched much Colorado lately, or if you watched Colorado Saturday specifically against the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. And this is all again without Landeskog, and you know without that other guy uh, Kale McCarr, who last time I checked is real good too. <laughs> Avalanche are, are are hitting their stride and have hit their stride, and they move so fast. And Bo Byram slides right into that spot, previously occupied by Kale McCarr, and he looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we focus on, you know, the idea that all the players from the West are going to the East and, you know, the East is loading up, it's the Octagon, all of it. He said, my theory is, is that teams are looking at Colorado and saying, you know, we're not like one or two pieces away from beating Colorado Why do we want to give up sizable assets this year? Now, if you're Edmonton, you're still in that conversation too because you have nuclear missiles on your bench. And Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, you have to do that. But the theory that he said that he's talked about is teams are looking at Colorado and saying, we're not in that high-rent district. Let's maybe not even try to compete against those guys. What do you think? I think it's an
0: interesting theory, but it sort of defies logic when you look at the age of Joe Pavelski. When you look at the the the, the, the talent situation on Winnipeg, and and they're not going to have Dubois after this year. Like there's there's windows to win for these teams that are very well defined, and and I have a hard time believing that like Jim Nill and Kevin Shoveldayoff are like ripping the phone cord out of the wall because they're they're afraid of landis cog coming back like like you've got to you've got to maximize your chance to win (laughs) It 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 may be a situation where other teams do feel that way i mean like there's obviously no reason for for the kraken to go all in there's a little bit of urgency i think for la like we talked about before but the fact remains though and and this kind of feeds the conspiracy theory that you've espoused here is that I mean, outside of L.A., yeah. no one's really made the big move. I've, I've been waiting for Dallas to make the big move, and maybe they would have made one if Patrick Kane I didn't think do the same thing. That Yeah, if Patrick Kane didn't do the same thing that Panarin and Adam Fox did and say it's New York or bust, maybe he's on the, uh, the stars right now. But, uh, but I've been waiting for Dallas to make that move. They, they certainly are set up for it.
1: Two teams, Dallas and Carolina. And I've I've mentioned before. I wonder if Carolina's move is currently playing with the Calgary Flames mm. and Dallas. Wait, are you good, are I you wonder, are you a
0: Tyler Toffoli to the to the Hurricanes guy? Because I am
1: either to either Toffoli or Lindholm or Backlund.
0: Yeah, no, I've been. That's that's my mind. My like, I, I think first of all, I don't think it's going to happen because I think Calgary's probably deluded themselves to believing that they're a contender. But I thought mm. Toffoli was a perfect I don't know. guy it was on that a tough team. one last. Yeah. Yeah, but, he but could wait, be. hold on. He could but what be. how much stock do you put into losses before the deadline? Like are we are we now all of a sudden going to put Tyler Bertuzzi back on the table cuz Detroit got swept in Ottawa?
1: I think that Steve Yzerman has contingency plans with a lot of teams for a lot of his players. I don't believe that Steve is going to go, "Uh-oh, we just lost two to Ottawa. Now what am I going <laughs> to do? Better roll up my sleeves and get cracking." I think that you know whether it's you know he's he's called his you know old Detroit buddies all over the NHL or called other teams or you know uh, Julian Brisbois or whomever I don't think that Steve Eisman is going to allow anything to sneak up on him. I think Steve Eisman is a planner, that's obvious, and that he has an idea of what deals he can make mm-hmm. should he make that decision that Listen, we just dropped two against Ottawa here and didn't look good in the process. We got to make a decision fast. What do we do with this season? I think that he has, and again, like, I I wonder about Tyler Bertuzzi with Dallas. I really, really Mm -hmm. do. And that's two old Detroit buddies getting together on that Jim Nill and Steve Eiserman. Yeah. I,
0: I, 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 the one, the loss last night really, the loss last night really stung. Like, you got, you got Huso between the pipes. Like, you're coming off the loss the previous night. Like, you got to get something out of that. That you know what's on the line. Series. Yeah, that was a tough one last
1: yeah. night. Well, the, 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 other, the, the other thing that I think, I was talking to someone about this this morning, is I wonder about them with Jacob Chikrin. They have the cap space. They have the assets. They have the need. He still fits their timeline.
0: It's funny, isn't it? That, like, I, I, I referenced this this morning on Twitter that, you know, Jacob Chikrin is like, I got to get out of, out of Arizona. I'm tired of this losing. And then, like the teams that are still in the derby for him are Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> Columbus. <laughs> like it's not to say that he won't be, you know, hitching his 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 uh, hitching a ride on a comet on one of those teams. I mean, Buffalo, I think we all know, is has got a lot of upward mobility Buffalo, as contender. Yeah. I mean, people like what Ottawa's building. I mean, Col- Columbus, if they end up with Bedard, is probably, you know, going to be a, a a real a real good team. Um,
1: but at the same time, it okay, is kind of
0: we go from L.A. To, to, you know, those
1: teams. Let me ask you this, then. What would be the bigger story? Chikrin getting traded or not getting traded by Friday? Getting traded. I think we all understand Bill oh,
0: Armstrong. Dude, Bill Armstrong's got a price in mind. If he doesn't get, have it met, then Chikrin just plays again. And and then it gets done in the summer. Like he's he's not. I mean, I I, I honestly would not be shocked. If you're if he... hang
1: on, if you're if you're if you're the agent, do you not go nuclear on this one? It's been two years. I'm so tired of this. Who cares? Is
0: he is he getting paid? Yes. Did he make a trade? Oh no, request? they have they
1: haven't. They no they 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 haven't they haven't. And it's been public and all of it. And you're gonna just keep yeah. dragging him through this again. If and you gonna if be you request a trade. Draft. If you, you request a trade, again.
0: Well, hold on. If you request a trade, then the team goes, "Okay, we're going to try to trade you." And 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 part and parcel of that agreement is that in this case, you don't play. We want to make sure that you're healthy. We want to make sure that you're you're rare and go. We're not going to play you. If you want your ticket punched out of this, uh, out of ASU. Then you're, we're just not going to play you, and so that's the <laughs> agreement that you make. If you request a trade, then then the trade has to be made on the on the team's terms. Terms, and and I, they're clearly trying to get something done. They're clearly trying to make it happen. But if they don't get mm-hmm. what they're looking for, then they're just not going to make the deal. I, I, like I said, I would but be for, more. But
1: for I would but be, but for, him, for, for two but, for two years for two years, the market the market has said that's not the price.
0: but who but the so you're saying the market should dictate the price and not the GM
1: if you're committed if you're committed to trading him if you're right. committed to trade now i don't know whether they now, here's, here's the other thing that i wonder about chicken and here's where um andy scott the agent here could go could go really crazy on this one if he doesn't get if he doesn't get moved um you know there is very much the belief that errors. Well, we all know they're doing this on a shoestring right now. Like we see that. Right. And like you saw it with the Shea Weber situation. That's that's obvious. But if the the block here, if the the logjam is they can't get over the idea that they can't take back any salary at all, mm-hmm. and that's what's holding things up from his client being able to go somewhere else, and Bill Armstrong having the ability to make this trade. That's a that's a real tough look on the league. Like it's already bad enough. That's f- that's you it's see that's fair, bad right? Like so, if that, you're, you're, that you're 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 draw- that makes you're- it even worse. If it's like if it's like, hey, we had this deal for these players, player X, Y, and Z from Los Angeles or from you know from from wherever, St. Louis or from Florida or, or Islanders, um, but it couldn't get over the finish line because we can't take any money back.
0: So you're, you're putting Oof. up a picture of Jacob Chikrin on the wall and you're attaching this string over to a picture of Mullet Arena and, and you are saying that the, the, the fact that this team <laughs> is playing at, at a, on a college campus in a college arena for at yeah. least the next three seasons is a, is, a, is a factor in them not wanting to take back money. I think you have a really good point there. I, and I do think that that could be pointed out quite successfully by the agent or by any critics of this deal. And as far as the money goes, a source tell me yesterday that one of the major stumbling blocks between the Coyotes and the Boston Bruins, and one of the things that led them to make their pitch for Orloff instead, was the Bruins wanted the Coyotes to take money, retain money on, on Chikrin's contract, and the Coyotes refused to do that.
1: Again, it's the refusal to take back money. Like it's a, that's a common like when you talk to you know various teams about what they've discussed and and how they're trying to make a make a deal happen. The common denominator is we don't think Arizona can take any money back. Right. And and,
0: and we saw that's that with a LA point. too. I mean, I think the I think it's no secret that they wanted Cal Peterson in the deal.
1: It was yeah, it was money. Yeah, it was money. It was so. money, and they and they weren't they weren't able to take it to to make it happen. Whew. on that lovely note um last one for you um devils and rangers look nice in the opening round now hey we got (laughs) a minute 30 for this one and i gotta punt uh patrick kane now i listen i I think we all want to see him make his debut against the philadelphia flyers but we understand why not um just a quick thought as we wrap up here on the patrick kane saga uh coming to an end uh only to open a new chapter when he finally hits the ice
0: Yeah, two things. First of all, the only loser in a Devils-Rangers playoff series with this much that's been added to those teams, the only loser is my uh, Delta mileage uh, living in Brooklyn. I will not be uh, (laughs) – I will be using my Metro card uh, with a lot of frequency and not staying in any hotels or flying on any planes. Uh, That could be for two rounds. Mm. And then the other thing is I had someone uh, text me uh, when King was acquired by the Rangers and they said, they said something that stuck with me, which is, do the Rangers know that they only play with one puck? It's a lot of guys <laughs> on that team. You that always that get puck. that
1: when teams load up. I know. They all I
0: know. want that puck, baby. Does, does he play with Panarin? Is that Tarasenko's spot? Does he play down the lineup with Heedle? I'm intrigued to see what the Rangers end up doing with Patrick Kane, because I think that there is a, a um, logistic reason that they could play him where they play him, and then there may be a... Uh, Hey, I waved for you guys. Kind of reason where they play, where they. Well, play you
1: know, you, you, you know what's you know what's interesting there. Remember when the Rangers brought in Yager and they brought in like a million different centers to try to play with Yager? Chris, actually, as a matter of fact, Chris Drew is one of them. Yeah, it was so one it of the they brought in to see. It ended up being Neilander, Michael right? Neilander. Yeah, Michael Neilander was the best out of yeah. all of them because he could get the puck to places and in spots where Yager was comfortable getting it. But they had that revolving door of centers auditioning for the Yawker spot. That's right, Drury was part of that. I totally forgot until just now. Um, all right, well, I'll carry on, um, Mr. Greg Wyszynski. And uh, it should be intriguing leading up to trade deadline at 3 o'clock Eastern on Friday. Uh, what, by the way, I got to let you plug some. What do you guys have planned for, for deadline?
0: Oh, geez. I mean, deadline, like you know, is going to be a lot of sort of analysis and uh, and looking back, but also looking forward. Um, as far as, as far as Friday goes, you know, the usual winners and losers, me and Arda are going to do a special edition of the drop, uh, that'll be on uh, Friday night, uh, that'll cover a lot of the, uh, deadline wins and losses. So it's, it, it'll be fun. It'll be the usual stuff. There's still going to be a lot of stuff that
1: happens. Don't worry, everybody. There will be, there'll be a lot of stuff still. There's still a lot of players out there very much. All right. Wish you enjoy. And, uh, we'll talk to you in seven days, sir. Take care. Greg Wyszynski from ESPN.